Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, my name is Michael. This is my wife, Vanessa. And this morning, we have the privilege of reading sacred scripture. Uh, this morning, we celebrate a song of worship shaping believers for faithful service. Uh, the grace of God in Christ fuels the worship of serving Jesus in all of life, singing praises with our lips, but also through our labor and loves. God's character and God's work in Christ gives Christians ground to worship Jesus by serving him in all our life. I invite you to open up your Bibles. Our scripture reading this morning will be from Psalm 100. Please now hear the reading of God's word. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Please join me now in the call and response. All flesh is grass and all is beauty like the flower of the field. The grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Good job. Thanks, guys. Amen. Before you sit down... Real quick, uh, I just got to tell everybody, I love this guy. You know what today is? It's his birthday. Yeah. We love you. So just on three, we're not going to sing it. We're just all going to scream it, okay? On three, just yell happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy birthday. All right, man, yeah. He loves all the attention. It's yeah. exactly what he wanted today. So... If you have your Bibles, please keep them open. We're going to look at, we're going to work our way through Psalm 100. Uh, today, if you don't have a Bible, would you please open your phone or an app or something? Look on your neighbors. The goal of this time, we worship the Lord through trusting his spirit to make effectual the power that is available in studying the word of God. Our hope in this time is not that we just leave inspired, but truly transformed more conformed into the image of God so that our lives as God's people can be more fruitful for his glory. That's the hope. So get the word out in your lap. Last week, we looked at a psalm of satisfaction and uh, how all of us are invited by God's grace to find full satisfaction in the work and the person of God, Jesus Christ. And today we see the fruit of that satisfaction the, the songs of scripture captured in the Psalms as an example among many songs that we've looked at this summer uh, shape the saints and they shape us in many ways, but two primary ways. One, so that through us, God can shape the world, but two, they shape us so that we look more like Christ. And today we're going to see those things come together in a beautiful way that we're shaped by a psalm of service so that we can more reflect the service of Christ in this world. So uh, we're going to just jump right in. Uh, the first thing we see in the first two points, uh, the first two verses, is that we serve the Lord with gladness. We're invited to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Um, we make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth is what he says. The, psalm, the psalmist is, is, is writing... Um, 
a, a, a song of, of worship for the people of God as they come to the temple to worship God. We, end the, we get to the last third of the Psalms, all kinds of praise songs, uh, all kinds of worship songs are just popping forward. And central to this one uh, is uh, service. And I want to nerd out on you a little bit. Um, I, I'm going to just nerd out on you a little bit. In my studies, I nerded out a lot, but I'm going to spare you a lot. So much that uh, Eskenazi was looking. He's like, what's this third page of notes for? I was like, that's just scraps in case I get to it. All right. I love studying God's word. But I want to unpack and help us to see the richness and the beauty of this invitation. Uh, if you look at, down at verse 2, uh, serve the Lord with gladness. I want to define these two terms using the language of Scripture and the context of all of Revelation of Scripture, all 66 books. Uh, First, I want to look at the word gladness. When we think of the word gladness, a lot of us just uh, think of maybe like a a Barbie scene, you know, where, uh, you know, life in plastic is fantastic. So we've always just got to smile, right? We just got to be happy and we're just going to be glad, dead gummit, right? That's not what gladness is. Gladness, and, and I, I really glean from an author named Chip Dodd on this, who uh, has a book that I recommend uh, called Voices of the Heart. When he studies the eight emotions of scripture, he unpacks gladness in a beautiful and powerful way. But, but gladness is, is important for us to understand because it's an emotion that gives us a compartment, not just in the gain and the blessings of life, but to, to really engage the pain and the brokenness of life. Gladness is, is what it means to live in a fallen world where there is uh, death, where there is friction, where there is division, where there is depression and discouragement, but to, to be glad is to lean fully into the promises of God, to trust in him no matter what we see or what we feel. Think about John 11. Jesus in that picture uh, story served in gladness. How? On the one hand, John eleven thirty five, 35, he weeped, he wept, he weeped. <laughs> I'm glad my poor grammar is so funny to you all. He wept with Mary and Martha. He entered into the brokenness of the loss. But at the same time, he stood by the grave and he, he, he made a promise that he is the resurrection and the life. And though anyone die in him, they don't die at all, but they'll live forever. Gladness is this uh, understanding that we, we groan in a fallen world, but there is glory for all of those who trust in Christ. It's important, I think, especially for this class of officers. You heard Becky pray uh, just in, in the, the devastation we feel and the loss of Triple Furman, who, who went through all of our training with us, who, who is a part of a, the fabric of our church family and our community in so many ways. In fact, he reflected the, the love and the, and the service of Christ in generosity in tremendous ways. But the serving gladness in that sense of loss is to acknowledge the, 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 the void that's left but also to allow that void to be filled with the hope and the promises of Christ. That's gladness. It's acknowledging the groaning, but it's trusting in the glory. Second term I want to define, it's serve. And and this word is serve. uh, It's actually really important for us to understand because um, it, it doesn't just mean, hey, I've got to go do something. 
the word here, and I'm going to spare you a lot of my nerd notes, okay? All right, you okay with that? All right, I'm going to spare you the nerd notes. I'm just going to say this. The word that's used for serve there, it actually takes us back to the Garden of Eden, and it takes us forward to Revelation 22. Here, let me explain it. In Revelation, I mean, in uh, Genesis 2, 17, after God created Adam and Eve, he created them for fellowship with him, to be in his presence. He created them with a purpose to, to cultivate the garden, uh, and, and he created them to worship him, to be with him. The word in Genesis 2, 17, when he gives them purpose, even in the garden, he calls them to serve, to rule and cultivate the earth. That's the word serve. And this is important for us to understand because I talk with people all the time who are looking for purpose. They want to know why their their life is significant in any way, shape, or form. And this invitation of the psalm of service is to rediscover the divine design that we have as humans to, to be God's image bearer, to represent him on earth in everything and everywhere by serving rules, subduing, and cultivating. That's why it's important that we understand our service as worship, not just with our lips and our hearts in here, but really in our labor, in our lives, in our loves, all the time that we're not in here. That same word that that is used by the psalmist, that we serve the Lord with gladness, a wholeheartedness that, that enters into the groaning and hopes for the glory. It's actually the same word that's transliterated in Revelation 22, verse 3. Are you ready for this? That when we see the saints around the throne of heaven and the new heavens and the new earth living eternally, when God totally renews this whole world, when death is totally gone, when mourning is totally gone, when sadness is totally gone, when tears are totally wiped away, the Greek transliteration of the word service is the same idea of cultivating, even in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not just, okay, I've got a to-do list. This is discovering your divine design. Figuring out how in a broken world, you everywhere and everything and everyone you meet can reclaim the image of God and lean into the groaning and the brokenness of this world in a way that gives hope for glory. Do you see the paradigm? Serve the Lord with gladness is not a pithy or trivial saying. It is Filled with purpose and treasure. Uh, I want to illustrate this uh, with a a story of an officer. It is appropriate for our church officers who are are called to embody uh, the integrity of their faith, not just in their hearts when they're here, but in their homes and all of their habits and their work and and with their neighbors and their neighborhoods. But I want to tell you a story about my friend, Officer Doug Green. Some of y'all have heard him talk up here before, uh, but he told me a story a few months ago that captures this beautifully. He is with the San Antonio Police Department. That means he works under the authority of Chief McManus. It's McManus, right? Did I say his name? Uh, he's a great chief. Uh, I am so grateful for the service of the blue in our city. And uh, it, back when, after George Floyd, uh, when there was a whole lot of focus on the police and their role and uh, all, over, all over in society, all over the country, uh, Doug, Officer Green, was invited to speak at a church. And he really wanted to speak with his uniform on, but he was nervous. He didn't know if he could speak as a public figure wearing a public uniform in the place of public worship. 
And so he decided to talk to a supervisor and his supervisor's counsel was insufficient, we'll say. <laughs> and so he, he, well, he was like, maybe I should go talk to the chief. And Doug tells it this way. He says, you know, I decided to go straight to the real chief, JC, Jesus Christ. So he prayed about it and he decided that he was going to speak at this church on Saturday night and Sunday morning wearing his uniform. He got up there Saturday night, gave his talk, was really encouraged, very nervous, went home, slept well, had peace, woke up, went to the church at 830 in the morning and an officer was there to meet him. Hey, Doug, Officer Green, Chief McManus is here. He's right over there. Doug got nervous. <laughs> He tells a story. He went up to, to speak. Uh, Chief McManus was sitting right on the front row. He gave the talk, same talk, same conviction, same heart. At the end of the day, he was a little nervous. The next day, Chief McManus called the whole, uh, all the leaders of the force in, a Monday morning meeting, and he started with saying, gentlemen or officers, Yesterday, I went to hear Officer Doug Green speak at a church wearing his uniform. I want to encourage all of you to listen to his message. And in fact, we're going to figure out how we can take that message and incorporate it into our police force. Whew. <laughs> right? And now, because Officer Green realized that there is a greater chief Jesus Christ, and he served him before anything else. Our police department has six different chaplain branches that are serving every aspect of our police department. Why is that? Because a man understood that even as he serves in the brokenness of our city, the groaning and the frustration that is the fallen aspects of our city, he leaned into glory. And he realized that no matter what his uniform was, he belonged to a more high authority. That's Jesus Christ. And everywhere and in everything, he served the Lord with gladness. But we can't do that unless we know the character, uh, the uh, character of our commander-in-chief, uh, our chief of chiefs, Jesus Christ. And this is why knowing the Lord's character is really the foundation, this is the second point, of serving the Lord with gladness. You see this in verse 3 and again in verse 5. Uh, the psalmist celebrates the character of God, but he says, Know the Lord, he's God. It's he who made us, we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so... He, he celebrates the reality that, that God is a covenant God that we can know personally, that we can be secure in his steadfast love and seek the roots, the deepest roots of our belief and our identity in who Christ is and what he's done for us. Uh, he's, he's described as a creator and a shepherd. And I know you all listen to all of our old sermons all the time, so I'm not going to re-preach what we did a few weeks ago on God being creator and shepherd and us being uh, the sheep of his fold. Uh, what I want to do is give a diagnostic so that you can examine your heart, so that you can be honest with yourself. And, and it, this is where uh, worship gets a little nitty-gritty into our soul, to see if you really know the Lord, that his character, if it's the foundation of your life, your labor, what you say through your lips, and the loves that are manifest in all you do. I want to give a diagnostic on uh, whether or not the image of God is being restored in you of worship, 
in worship of, the God, of God. And it's a shape of service is really of Christ's service for you is coming out uh, in your life. So a guy named Stephen VR, he wrote a book called Leadership, How to Guide Others with Integrity. I'm going to ask these questions that he asks as are direct quotes uh, from his book and, in just a diagnostic way. Uh, for not, not so much covering the past weeks, but trying to dig into some present application. First question. Do people understand more of God's mercy because of the way you respond to their mistakes? Do people understand more of God's holiness because of your high ethical standards? Do people understand more of God's patience because of the time you give to grow and develop them? Do people understand more of God's truthfulness because of the way you communicate honestly? Do people understand more of God's faithfulness because they see you keep your promises? Do people understand more of God's kindness because of the tone of your voice? Do people understand more of God's love because you go out of your way to help and serve them as you lead? Do people understand more of God's grace because you avoid being harsh and unreasonably demanding? To what extent does your leadership actually model and teach something about the character of God? So if we think about service to God, service with gladness to God, to make a joyful noise in moralistic categories, if we really think our purpose is to have a to-do list where, okay, now I've got to do this, then you will be crushed by the commandments. And, and this diagnostic is to help you see that you have a greater need than your own self-sufficiency in your response to the the character, the steadfast love of God, so that you can discover your purpose in serving the Lord with gladness. We need a greater fuel if we're truly going to move beyond our performance to fruitfulness. And this is the next thing we see. The fuel of serving God, of the Lord with gladness, is the work of God. Verse 4. I want you all to say the first word with me in verse 4. Look down and see it. The first word, enter. Okay, no one said it with me table for one. Like this is the story of my middle school. I'm reliving it. How about you join me? Let's all say this word together. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. The fuel for serving the Lord with gladness is the work of God for us. You can look back at the beginning of the, of the verses, the, the, the creational language to make a joyful noise. All the earth, all the earth, this isn't just for the temple. This is for all the earth. And then serving the Lord gladness, reclaiming that image bearing that we're created in to come into his presence with thanksgiving. This is an invitation that didn't exist outside of sacrifice. That a holy God can have fellowship with an unholy people. It happens because of God's work of cleansing. Enter is an invitation. Enter is a command. I have given myself for you so that you can come into my presence with me. And so often we don't know God's character because we don't know God personally because we think of our relationship with God more of moral performance than we do personal relationship. How many of us struggle with, well, I'm just not that good of a Christian. You're not. <laughs> There's no such thing as a good Christian. We're all sinners who need grace. 
We have to have God's work. I was reminded of this. I've been studying the book of Job lately. And I'm, I'm just amazed at how moralistic Job's friends are. They're like, man, you're suffering because you suck. Uh, ooh. <laughs> you're suffering because you've really messed up. Like I just did. You're suffering because bad things happen to bad people. And they literally are counseling him. If you're just gooder, things will get better. And Job is acknowledged by God in Job 1 as being blameless and righteous. He's actually suffering because of that. And there's this moment in Job 14, verse 17. And Job says, oh, if my sin is there, may it be put into a bag and taken away. And I thought, I can identify with Jesus as a trash man. I can't. I cannot. You know how I can identify? It was July 4th. It was a Tuesday. That's the day that trash gets picked up in my neighborhood. And the night before, my wife said, hey, don't forget to take the trash out. The trash comes tomorrow. I said, tomorrow's July 4th. They're not coming on a holiday. So I went to bed like normal, got up, drinking my coffee, reading. About 7.15, Lisa comes to get another cup of coffee. Don't forget to take the trash out. And I did what every godly man does while he's having a quiet time. Uh, don't forget to take the trash out. Right? <laughs> it's a holiday. I'm not taking the trash out. I'm sitting there reading. And after about 10 minutes, I heard a noise. <laughs> it was the trash man at 7.30 on July 4th. And so I jumped. And I ran into the kitchen and in just one move, just grabbed trash bags, did a spider turn, <laughs> ran outside, got the, uh, the, blue, the brown trash can, and I started running. And this guy had already made a lap down one way and he has already passed our house going the other because a lot of people had forgotten. I had hope my neighbor Scott was wearing pajama bottoms and a, an A-frame shirt running with trash. He caught the guy and I was like, I can do this too. <laughs> I had hope. And I ran and it was like, as if it was spite. Like this guy's like, I'm working on a holiday and you're not, and you're going to pay for it. It was like the trash man <laughs> took Scott's and he looked at mine and was like, and I was like, no, no, no. What happens when the trash doesn't get taken out? Well, you go back with a full trash can and all week you're just trying to cram more trash in. And it starts to overflow. And you realize, I really value the sacramental service of a trash man. This is what Job says. Oh, that God would take my sin away. Put it in a bag and cleanse me. Just take it away like a trash man. I add, like a trash man. But this is, this is typical language of Scripture because this is how God loves us. If you look other places in Psalms, Psalm 103, the, the psalmist celebrates that God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't say north and south because on a round planet, if you go north far enough, what happens? You eventually go south. But if you go east or west, you're never going to hit the other. God removes our sin. He takes out the trash. You could go to Jeremiah where Jeremiah says that God takes our sin and hides him behind his back as if to see him no more. You can go to the prophet Malachi, or maybe you like the Italian prophet name, Malici, and he talks about how God takes our sins and throws them, hurls them into the depths of the sea. 
And you've heard me uh, quote Corey Tim Boom on that. God takes your sins and he puts them in the depths of the sea, hurls them out there, and he puts up a sign and says, no fishing. They're gone. The Apostle Paul says that he who knew no sin, he became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. It's this great exchange, and it's exactly how we can enter. We can enter because Christ was cut off. He was forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you can be welcomed as a child in faith. You can be a beloved son or daughter because the Son of God was crushed by the weight of the wrath of God against sin so that you can be built up. And this is where the second thing we see, the gospel renews our perspective on serving God. You see, when we serve the Lord with gladness, it's, it's from love. It's not for love. It's from security and acceptance. It's not for security and acceptance. It comes from a place of total satisfaction. Christ has satisfied the, the penalty of our sin on the cross. And when we put our faith in him, we find the deepest satisfaction that our hearts are really hungering for. And the diagnostic for you and for me is if you continue to be unsatisfied, if you continue to think about your relationship God from, with God from some sort of moral performance, then you don't really know him. Or at least the deepest parts of your soul haven't received the liberating power of the gospel. You are more than your performance. You are more than your status. You are more than how good or not good you are. You're more than your worst act you've ever done. And you're more than what you think the most valiant and brave thing you've ever done. We serve from what Christ has done. And this is why we come to the table. Because Jesus came not to be served, Mark 10, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the last thing that we see. The foundation of serving the Lord with gladness is the character of God reprised because all great hits and songs have a reprise. And this one does at the end. The Lord is good. The Lord's love is steadfast. The Lord is faithful to every generation. The ground of serving God with gladness is the grace of God alone. It's the work of Jesus alone. God doesn't need your service. He's pleased to use you for his glory. So much so that he has work prepared in advance for you to do. Whether you're serving on the police force or in a classroom, whether you're a student on campus or you're serving at home or you're serving in your neighborhood or on a board, we serve with gladness. Hear this, leaning into the groaning and the brokenness of this world trusting that there will be glory for those who know Jesus. That's what this table's about. The night that Jesus was betrayed. He was betrayed. This table is for all that have been welcomed by grace. This isn't First Presbyterian Church's table. This is Jesus' table. The night that he was betrayed, before he went 
to get beat, before he went to die, before he became sin for you and for me, he came to this table and he gives it to you now as a sacrament, a means of grace for the people of God to feast on the grace of God, knowing that the Son of God, Jesus, has resurrected and ascended. He sits physically at the right hand of God, but he is spiritually present here. The night that Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Hmm. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what Jesus said. And guess what? He's going to come again. All the groaning is going to turn to glory. All of our pain. All of our loss will find fullness and gain through the cross of Christ. And for all of God's children in Christ, we come and feast. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your astounding provision. Thank you that you, though you were immortal, you became mortal. So that in our immortality, we can feast on you. Thank you that you who were holy, you became sin so that in our sin we can feast on your grace. Lord, thank you that, that you who, who are immortal and live forever, that you died so that we could live. Lord, thank you that you who were rich as king of heaven, you, you became poor so that we might be able to feast on your grace and become rich in love and grace ourselves. So Lord, forgive us for not trusting you as our trash man. Forgive us for seeking to serve you in our own strength. Forgive us for finding our identity in our performance. Forgive us for taking our own work more serious than we take your work through Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for claiming to know you, but not surrendering our lives to you. We ask now that you forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from unrighteousness, and restore unto us a joy of our salvation. And we pray that you'd set these common and ordinary elements apart. And we ask that you would use them by your spirit to nourish our hearts with your grace. That, Lord, we might know you more fully and become more like you in our service of you. That we might participate in your work of changing things from groaning to glory by serving you with gladness. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.